0: Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and NA, member FDIC. This
1: is Inside Purple and Gold. Welcome back to Inside Purple and Gold. I'm Dane Mizutani alongside Tom Schreier. I'm wearing a hat today if you're watching this in the YouTube segments that we cut up because uh, it snowed another four inches last night, Tom. Like uh, the Vikings, their season's over. And if I played for the Vikings, I would get out of the state as quickly as possible.
0: I was gonna well, I was gonna say most of them do, right? I mean, some of it's a little yeah. tax purposes or whatever. There's a lot of warm places where they don't tax too much, but um yeah, I was I was trying to think of like who like feeling obviously, but I was like who who kind of sticks around. This is the difference between you and I though. I look outside and I go, Hey, at least there's snow and it's bright. Um, I think if, if there are people here who hate it, which I'm like, man, you have a long winner if you cannot, stand <laughs> yeah. because especially this year, it's been coming down as long as it doesn't, I am, I'm am flying out to San Francisco. I have the flight already. I'm I'm pot committed. Um, as long as it doesn't screw with my flights on, on Friday, then I'm taking a weird Monday flight because, again, it was intended for a game to be played on Sunday. Um, as long as it doesn't screw with my flights, I'm fine with it. As long as it doesn't interfere with my life. Otherwise, I looked outside today. I was like, well, it's less gray and icy. So <laughs> I took it a as lot. a win.
1: Tom had to rub it in that he booked the ticket to San Francisco and he is still going to San Francisco, even though the Vikings will not be going to hey, San Francisco. I'm in the
0: second round, baby. I, I, I picked <laughs> up a win on <laughs> in round one. Yeah, no, I just thought I had it. I went to school out there, so I'm, I'm going to go see people. But yeah, my friends are out there like, yeah, when are the Vikings playing? And I was like, they, they won 11 straight one score games, so you can't do it 12 times apparently.
1: Oh, man. Well, let's go there. I mean, this week was kind of supposed to be about, like you, like we talked about, preparing for San Francisco. I think mm-hmm. everyone kind of assumed, like, yeah, they'll get rode by the 49ers, but they'll beat the Giants yeah. at home. They didn't. So this week was about locker clean out, pushing forward to the future. Um, and and all of that was kind of encapsulated yesterday um, when both Kwasi Ofa and Kevin O'Connell spoke to two reporters. Quacey's first time talking since the TJ Hawkinson trade Before the TJ Hawkinson trade. Quacey hadn't talked, I think since he cut a bunch of people on the last day of roster cuts in July. So it's not a, a, it's a pretty rare occurrence that, that does talk. Um, uh, see like nothing he said yesterday really stood out to me except for his commitment to Kirk Cousins which we can get to yeah um but he, he was like a soft commitment to Kirk Cousins um Kevin O'Connell did most of the talking as he mostly does um a lot of his answers like the nuggets of importance are like buried between like 100 words at the top and 100 words coach at the speak, back yeah. of just yeah. like coach speak gibberish yeah. um but i I don't know tom the, the most interesting thing for me to come out of yesterday and, and i'll let you kind of say if you agree or if, if there's anything else it's like the obvious elephant in the room is second question shout out to larry fitzgerald senior oh i love it,
0: it i'm so glad you said this yes
1: the first question of the press conference for those who listened to our show but did not listen to the actual press conference so Quacey, obviously he, he comes from commodity trading um, yep. he's an analytics guy um, a guy that came up he he basically got hired like one of the reasons the Vikings hired him is because he's the antithesis of a football guy like it's like it's like a zag move when everyone else is zigging mm-hmm. um, So the first question yesterday, considering Quasi Adolf background on Wall Street comes from Larry Fitzgerald senior who God bless him, Ask some questions that sometimes come straight out of left field. Yeah. Well, this question was was fire. It was a banger. It was Mm -hmm. Chris, you're involved in the stock market. Where would you put the Viking
0: stock? And I'm just gonna touch this up because it was it was actually funnier the way he phrased it. He's like, You're like a stocks guy, which like (laughs) here's the thing everyone is now like at one point that was like an esoteric right you had you had like a stock broker and this was just for like you know the wealthy class or whatever now everyone has robin (laughs) hood like like the fact that most people spent 2020 sitting there trying to buy like GameStop stock or whatever means like all of us right which is what the intent i think of the stock market all of us are involved so it's very funny to like distinguish him i understand what he was asking i think you framed that very well but yeah i think you know it's one. It's it's something I think about with Kwesi specifically because I think people actually really liked him when they first made the hire. Mm-hmm. Um, he killed it in the first press. That's the thing is like he's a charismatic guy. He's good looking. He's young. He like played basketball at Princeton, I think. You know, yes. and you think about him as this outgoing. Like I thought he'd be more of like a a, a, a figurehead or whatever for the team and the. Uh and it's more O'Connell. We know that O'Connell as like as this former quarterback star player at uh, San Diego State. Yeah. Just very I mean, he's just very relaxed in all situations, very much California cool. And like, um, he's been more kind of the spokesperson for the team, at least from like the front office or non-player standpoint. Um, but yeah, Quasey just admitted in that, like he made a rap reference to our young writers got and I I didn't quite understand i had to ask what was going on there but (laughs) um but you know like he admitted he's like i'm more of a behind the scenes guy and i think i see him more like spielman was the super scout right um but maybe too committed to the players because he's like i drafted a good one like say like dalvin cook right and i'm gonna pay him and i think quasi in the same situation would go i'd rather just have like three running backs and spend the money on receivers or whatever but um so they kind of hired a ceo but it's a reminder that he is like at his core, kind of a nerd, like he's right. It's stocks and bonds and, and, uh, probability and risk. And, um, I think it's an important reminder that he is like, I don't think he wants to be out front and center. Right. And I think he, he kind of thinks about all this stuff as probability. So he's not sweating it. That like scene got hurt. Booth wasn't as good as we thought this year caleb evans which is unfortunate because he's an awesome guy but you know suffered some concussions um Osamoa got hurt late although i i believe Osamoa is going to be a good player but you know like i think he almost wants to operate behind the scenes and does not mm-hmm. want to make it about him and this is why we never hear from him and like we can get into some of the points you make because i think i think you're right there's only a handful of things you can take from him just because he spoke less but he did talk about the competitive rebuild and how like hawkinson represents both right competitive now was good right away against washington also it looks like they're gonna pay him right and then yeah that's part of the rebuild right quote unquote um the cousins thing i actually took as like they're gonna he's gonna be back i think he's more like we're going to figure out the contract situation because a way to retain more of the veterans is to extend cousins, which is going to drive some people nuts and other people obviously are going to be thrilled about, but I guess, I don't think he committed to the contract. I think he kind of committed to cousins. I'm trying to think of what else he said, but, but yeah, I mean, I think he's, he's really kind of calm and calculated in what he did. I even noticed in the Hawkinson press conference, he was wearing the special teams hat that um, Matt Daniels gave out to everybody. Mm -hmm. And I think it's interesting that even that I think he's going to do subtle things in that, like, he wants to also manufacture a good culture where everyone feels valued, whether you're cousins, Jefferson, Hawkinson, the guys who are going to get paid, or like a Josh Metellus, right, Chris Boyd, the good special teamers. Yeah. and So I do think he's instrumental in what he does. I think in his perfect world, he would sit behind the scenes, let O'Connell handle everything you know, from the non-player um, spoken perspective. And yet I think it's important to hear from him specifically, even if he didn't have a ton to say.
1: For sure. Let's, let's circle back to Quacey, Um, because you're right. He did. Well, he didn't divulge a lot of information. He said some nuggets here and there that like are definitely worthwhile talking points. But the second question of the press conference. So, so we started off hot. We went from yeah. Larry Fitzgerald senior to my guy, Chris Thomason. Yeah. And like he asked the question everyone wanted to know. And he asked it in the most Chris Thomason way possible. Kevin O'Connell. Hey coach. Is Ed Donatel going to be back as defensive coordinator next yep. year? And in like the three, 400 word answer that Kevin O'Connell gave at no point did he commit to, to Ed Donatel. It was talking about how we're going to evaluate everything, which is like, if you had that on your bingo card, it probably was the free space. Um, he talked about how they've talked to the players and how now this week, it's about talking to the coaches and and figuring out what worked and what didn't. Tom, I don't know about you, but, I don't think Ed Donatel is back next year. I think the writing was kind of on the wall with that non-committal statement from Kevin O'Connell. I also want to be clear. I don't think it's all Ed Donatel's fault. Mm-hmm. I think the defense has warts beyond just him. Um, but I think it's not against the rules for your defensive play- coordinator to get the most out of players. And I think you could argue that Ed, Ed Donatel got the least out of players this
0: year. Yeah, and I, I still maintain, as much as he always talked about, it, he likes young players, likes coaching, likes, you know, like, um, all that stuff. He, I mean, he definitely favored the veterans and I think this is, you know, as we get into kind of more the roster makeup, there's some tough decisions to be made. I mean, I, I think it's a little less difficult. We actually have something on zone coverage explaining kind of the salary cap and that it's not as bad as people think, but you're going to have to make cuts at some point, And we just don't know how many of these guys, you know, we know Peterson went to bat from, I think Harrison Smith was a fan of his or whatever. I just don't know how many of these guys will actually be, be back. And a big part of what um, the defensive coordinator has to do is take the guys' Kweisi drafts. And again, this is a criticism or something we should focus on with Quasi. Who does he draft and how many of those guys are defensive mm-hmm. players? Um, but also like someone who's enga- who engages with those guys. I always thought it was funny that Donatello acted as the elder statesman at all points. Like he always talked about how O'Connell's done a good job with the culture. You know what I mean? Like stuff like that. And I think yeah. I always was under the impression O'Connell kind of liked having a, a more veteran, a 65 year old coach on a otherwise relatively young staff. So, um, you know, we talked about how like Quasi's only like 40 something, I think. Right. And O'Connell's even younger than him. So, um, Having said that, like I think if Staley got fired, and I'm under the impression Staley just didn't get fired because the the Chargers didn't want to pay to like eat the contract. They're
1: the cheapest team in the league, and the Raiders.
0: Honestly, that's the thing. Like I never thought of this, but I was like, if you if you're a coach, I mean, I guess here's the thing: uh, Kingsbury probably goes, whatever, man. They they the Cardinals are going to pay me to coach regardless if I'm in Thailand or I'm here in the US, but like. I think if you really want to like establish something, maybe you go to an organization that's, that doesn't have the liquid <laughs> cash, I guess, to fire you. But, um, but yeah, I think if Staley had been fired, um, I think this press conference is different. I think it's more like, Hey, we brought in Brandon, like he's one of our guys, you know what I mean? He kind of fits the mold of, mm-hmm. of the age range and the background that these guys came from. Having said that, like, I actually thought at the end of the year, Donatel would stay because. O'Connell wants continuity, wants the older coach. Also, I think O'Connell kind of, or uh, Donatel kind of mentored him at one point or kind of got him into the coaching range. So there is a bit of a weird like dynamic there. Having said that, as much as you want a direct answer, um, I think it's fair for O'Connell. I think the way he phrased it, it was like, we've talked to all the players first. I think he's gathering information from them. And then I'm assessing what's going on with Donatel. I don't think he was going to say anything unless he had something in hand, right? Like, Mm -hmm you know what I mean? That would be weird in the middle of a press conference to go, yeah, no, no, actually I just talked to Donatelle. Uh, he's out. We're hiring. The- you know what I mean? I don't think that's ever happened in the history yeah. of a press conference. Yeah. And I think, um, you know, he's probably weighing some of the o- other options. He's probably looking at what the players said about him and, and which players, right? Because if it's a player, you're not going to retain. It doesn't matter if it's Brian Asamoa, if it's a Caleb Evans, again, assuming that he's healthy enough to play. If it's even, you know, like someone like seen who was injured, but like, I'm weighing those pretty heavily because if, if, if seen, let's say Bynum, right. Bynum, a converted cornerback who plays an important role as a safety. If Bynum's going, dude, I don't know what Donatello was telling me all season. I really didn't know where to go. I had to play back because I don't understand how the defense, I learned more from Harrison Smith. I go, okay. I need to find someone who's gonna get through to Cam Bynum. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And I think so. I think he did, you know, he did describe the process a little bit. I do think it's fair to say he has not committed to him. And to be fair, he didn't after the final game, which is I guess it's fair for him to say, hey, we just lost. I'm, I'm not evaluating our defensive coordinator right now. Um, and then the other thing is he said he's evaluated it throughout the season. So my guess is he has some priors going into this, right? I don't think yes. he's going into this like. Oh, you're saying we were 31st in yards and <laughs> you know what I mean? He gave up a lot of gash plays. Um, but yeah. I kind of imagine, as much as O'Connell's cool about everything, he's frustrated that the offense, I think the offense still has another gear to get to, but the offense widely took care of its job, right? Um yeah. with the exception of a few games. He's gotta go, man. I just feel like I'm like fighting uphill because as soon as we turn over a possession or go three and out, the other team goes back and scores. So um I actually I actually like have less faith that Donatel is coming back after this press conference than they, I even did after the final game
1: for sure your point about like Kevin O'Connell not committing to a Donatel post game playoff loss totally fair like when when he's asked that question and it's a fair question um are, are you reevaluating who coaches the defense and he says I'm not even there right now like totally fair but I believe by Wednesday he's there and I understand. Mm-hmm. Like, I think your pro- like the, your point about the processes is a good one. I think you talk to the players. You then you ta- then you go ahead and do your exit interviews with the coaching staff, and then you make your decision. Um, I also think you made a good point about like, they're having this press conference about the season and how it went and, and the future and the off season, and they're not going to just be like, "Yeah, we fired Ed." Like that that would hijack <laughs> that would hijack the whole press conference. So. Like the tone of this press conference, I think was supposed to be: we're pushing forward, we've laid a good foundation, we want to we want to set a quote unquote championship standard. They used that term about fifty three times yesterday. I want to touch
0: on that, but yeah, it is interesting how yeah. they said that.
1: Uh, but I think if you 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 kind of read between the lines, and even even what, there was one answer yesterday, like Kevin O'Connell said, and everything we do in this room, to a man, to a woman, we have to ask ourselves: is it championship standard? I don't know how you could ask yourself that question about the defense and, and, and come out of it saying like, yeah, we feel good about who's leading the charge. So I think you're right, Tom, you, you look at what the Vikings did in the playoff game. And, and this was a microcosm of the whole season as a whole, they get the ball. they March right down the field. I think it was 12 play drive. Uh, can't start a playoff game any better than you did on, on Sunday afternoon. And then the defense like immediately allows a touchdown. I think there was a holding penalty in there. Um, so the giants were actually backed up and then like six plays later, Saquon Barkley's running down the left sideline and in the end zone. So I think when you look at all these things, like someone has to answer for it. Like I said, like you said, it's not all Ed, um, but he's, he's the guy in charge and uh, you're, you're uh, the old, the old saying you're the old saying you can't fire all the players. So you just yeah, yeah. Both. like that is, that's true. And someone has to answer for giving up 431 yards to Daniel Jones and the New York giants In a game you were supposed to win, Um, so I expect that to come down at some point, um, you know, in the next week or so. We
0: also we also have to consider this. It wouldn't be hard for O'Connell to find someone for a year to coach DC. I think he's got to be really careful. I've said this a hundred times, but like he's got to be really careful about. Well, I just I'm just going to switch the coordinator every year because I don't know what's going on with the defense, but it's wrong, right? Um, I think he also, regardless, and again, I think I think he's going to make a switch, but I think he's searching for someone he's like. I want this person for like three years. I want this person essentially until they get a better job, if they end up being a head coach or whatever. Um, That's why I thought the Staley thing made a ton of sense, right? Staley may get another opportunity, but I don't think anyone's like (laughs) banging down the door trying to hire Brandon Staley right now as a head coach. So I think, um, that's probably why he's being more deliberate. It would have been really funny. O'Connell comes to these press conferences or his normal ones, I should say, very prepared, right? He always says like, oh, "We have an injury update on this guy, on this guy. I want to thank this coach for what he did, or whatever." Right? It would have been yeah. funny in like a line item of like seven things. Like number four is like, "We fired Ed," and then it's like, "We signed so and so to the practice squad." Yeah. <laughs> whatever. And you're like, you're like, whoa, whoa, whoa. What's that fourth item? What did you just say? Um, but yeah, I think you know, I think this is why he's being more deliberate with this because because he's probably both saying like, how do I evaluate Donatello through the eyes of the players? Um, But also what do they need? Right. And he's trying to take players at different points in their career, different levels of uh, knowing the defense, some players that were drafted for this scheme specifically, and I don't think they'll change it. Um, And, uh, and other ones who were supposed to play under the Zimmer scheme. Right. And so he's probably sorting through all of this information, even a guy like Jordan Hicks, which if you look at his contract, that was basically a one-year deal. I don't think Jordan Hicks is back Um, But Jordan Hicks has run defenses on multiple different teams. He is still a valuable resource, right, for O'Connell. And so I think he's sorting through all these guys and going, okay, who is it now that I envision as part of this, right? And then is that person available? Because like, it's no secret who's a good defensive coordinator, right, in the league. And I think the Vikings luckily are, we'll get to the championship caliber or whatever they were talking about, but like it is one of the better jobs, good ownership. Like, you know, the coaches aren't going to get fired because they just hired <clears> them. <throat> there are guys in place right Um there. Um, So they have some advantages, but my guess is he has someone, you know, envisions someone that he'd want. And I don't know, I don't know if they're going to get them. So um this is why it's probably taking forever.
1: For sure. All right, let's leave that there. We'll circle back. And when we come back, I, I want to talk about Kirk Cousins. Um, He's kind of always the polarizing figure mm-hmm. of the off season, So let's kick off the offseason right by talking about Kirk Cousins. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are
0: waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, price Priceline. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles. We win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com.
1: Pushing forward into the offseason. We're not sitting down with a 49ers guest like we normally would be on <laughs> a Thursday. We're not doing Purple Prop Party like we normally would be on a Thursday. Season's over. Off season's beginning. Um, But we're going to be around throughout the off season. If you want to follow us inside purple and gold, anywhere you get your podcasts also on the odyssey app. If you follow us and push that button, give us a rating and a review too. That helps Tom. We just talked about Ed Donatel kind of their non-committal response to Ed Donatel Mm -hmm. on the flip side of that. They did commit to Kirk cousins yesterday. Um, I think Kway's quote was, I expect him to be our quarterback in 2023 and Mm -hmm. Like that is a commitment to Kirk. What I want to get into is like kind of the weeds of that commitment to Kirk. Will Kirk cousins be the quarterback of the Vikings next season? Yes. hundred mm-hmm. percent. I, I think there's even less question marks than last off season. Um Kirk cousins was really, really good this year. He literally did take leaps and bounds under Kevin O'Connell. Um, I think as we talked about in the post game episode on Sunday, it's unfortunate that his season ended with him checking down mm-hmm. because it kind of, for a lot of the, the critics, um, torpedoed all of that progress that he had al- that he had made this season and kind of reduced the season to a check down with the game on the line. Mm-hmm. Um, he was a lot better than, than that final play. He took steps. He will be the quarterback next season. What I want to know, uh, I don't want to know necessarily what you think Clacey's gonna do mm-hmm. because I think he's going to extend him. And I think mm-hmm. that's just the, the way the money works. Um, you extend him for a year, you keep kicking the can down the road, you you create more money for this offseason because mm-hmm. you're in cap hell, and then you you kind of try to maximize this this quote unquote window of winning a Super Bowl. Would you extend him? What would you do here? Would you extend him so you can Make the money work with certain other guys, or would you just say, Hey, you're going in as a lame duck quarterback. If you're good, we'll re up next year. If you're bad, we might be moving on.
0: No, I would extend him, and I think this is what goes into that thought process. He was better under this. I'm gonna give like some credit to McVay and some to O'Connell, right? And we haven't seen the full McVay offense yet, but like. Um, passing offense, read based. I mean, I think he gave O'Connell what he wanted in terms of uh, was better with a quieted mind. I, the more I think about it, I'm like in the back of his mind the entire time with Zimmer, he's like, if I throw a pick, I'm going to get in trouble no matter what Zimmer says, right? And I think in this case, it was more he got him focused at the line, make your reads there and then make your re- reads um down the field. Obviously, it came back to haunt him in that final play, I guess, in yeah. some ways. But I do re- like Kurt Warren broke it down, I think, really, really well in a, a film thing. Look, he, he maybe had Osborne deep. Uh, I don't – Jefferson's a YOLO. Like, I guess an interception doesn't matter at that point, but it's probably an interception if he throws it over that way. And, like, it's funny that even in that moment, even though I think Cousins has been more situation-aware, like, he just – he basically just was like, I don't want to take a sack, right? You know, I put the ball in place, how he put it with with him. Having said that, like, almost in any other sequence throughout the year, it's been positive that he has enabled Jefferson while also – I, throughout the year, it just did not seem like he kind of held a grudge. Like if if yeah. Osborne wasn't great in one game, he could be great in the Colts game, right? If uh, if Irv Smith in the final game drops a, I think it was second down, but like a surefire first down pass, uh, he'll still find him in the red zone when everyone claps on Justin Jefferson. Um, I think the only time I saw like a direct result of a two misplays was Rager in the Colts game, misread man versus zone. Kirk Cousins throws a pick six six. I think that's on Rager and then Rager didn't finish a route. And he was probably like the fourth progression. Just didn't think Kirk would get to him yeah. um, outside of that. And I think that was more a coaching decision than anything else. He has spread the ball around enabled Jefferson. He gives you a floor, right? And this is what I'm, I'm thinking this is Justin Jefferson's team. That is the the transcendent player who will drive winning for us. So I'm going, I'm paying him. I'm giving Hawkinson some money. So I have a second option. Um, I, uh, I am going to establish a four with Kirk, but I understand he's going to be 35. Take all of Cousins history, whatever baggage you have with him. Or if you think he's great, understand he's going to get worse. That's the nature of aging. Um, I'm doing a short extension. I think this is what you're advocating for, right? To relieve cap pressure. I'm also looking, I have five draft picks. I think they have four, and I think they're going to get one for Conklin as a um, compensated, compensated pick. So like they... I don't have the ammo to go get a quarterback right now. Right. You know what I mean?
1: Yeah. And I
0: think I got to use that stuff on the defense, even if I'm trading back and getting more picks, I got to fill out my defense. So I extend him, and then into next season. So like two years from now, that's where I start throwing darts and going, can I get someone in the second or third round or late in the first who I develop? And so I think that's how the timeline works. And I'm confident Kirk cousins until age 37 will be good enough that he won't, he will operate the offense. I'm not convinced he will drive winning for you. And they're going to be a weird team where the defense has to be fixed and the receiver drives winning. It's a very unique situation in
1: the NFL. Yeah. See, like, I'm kind of at the other end of the crossroads or we're in this fork in the road and you're, you're going left. I think I'm going right. And I, I understand, like, I understand why you do it. And in a lot of ways, Kirk – has earned that leash of like a longer leash this year. He's shown that he can be a a quarterback that wins you a lot of games, um, steps up in big moments. Um, he's shown the ability to grow this year and you look at the rest of the league, like even average quarterback is not guaranteed. So I understand like those who want to do an extension this year, even if it's like just a year, um, like this extension kind of comes uh, comes across as long like in the NFL like you can just have a one year extension that basically just extends the contract one year moves all the money to the following year I understand why people would want that would be in favor of it I understand why Quay probably does it I just don't know if the team's going to be very good next year and if the team's not very good I think that's an easy exit strategy to something else. Um, I think if you extend cousins, a year, and you miss the playoffs next year because Detroit's going to be better. Green Bay, I don't know. They might suck, but they also might bring back Aaron Rodgers. We don't know. I think and, he actually does come back. Yeah, yeah. And if he comes back, then like, it's no guarantee that that he just fl- like flounders again. Um, The Bears, they're they're not relevant. They're they're still years away from from contention. But I guess what I'm saying is like, imagine a scenario where what is today. January nineteenth, twenty twenty three. Imagine January twenty, January January nineteenth, twenty twenty four. We're talking about the Vikings. They just missed the playoffs, and now they have a year, a, a, one more year, committed to Kirk Cousins. I think the the, the 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 feeling would be a little bit glum. Um, I guess what I'm getting at basically is like you just had a, an amazing season, and Kirk Cousins took a lot of steps, um, but he's thirty four. If you give him a two-year extension, at the end of that, he's going to be 36. I think he might even be 37. I, I got to check his birthday. But I think you got to give yourself some outs here. And I don't know if Kirk Cousins would 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 play as a lame duck quarterback. I'm not sure he would hold out because there's like 40 million reasons not to hold mm-hmm. out in, in that scenario. Yeah, yeah. But I think you have to consider that alternative if you're the Vikings. Like, we just had a great season. It did not work out. Um, this guy has been good for us for five years. Um, He's kept us relevant. We also only have one playoff win with him in charge or at the helm. I think giving yourself some outs might work out in your favor long-term. It might all be moot, though, because I do think you're right, Tom. I think they're going to do it. Um, I think it's the most logical way to create money, Um, and you need money this offseason. Because not only do you need to re-sign a bunch of guys, you got to give Justin Jefferson the bag. And without cutting a bunch of people, the best way to make money <laughs> to make money to create money out of thin air because that's basically what you can do with yeah salary, create capital. cap yeah 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 to create cap um is to extend customs.
0: yeah yeah and I I do to be clear like I don't know he's I don't think he's gonna drive winning for for a great team I don't think he. The playoff stuff is really interesting but again I, i'm more inclined to blame the defense that i know they only scored what 24 points so like mm-hmm. um there's still something lacking there but like yeah i, I saw that as more the defense on the um, on the defense against um the giants and i just i do i mean people want immediate stuff because the nfl is so like you think of how short these players careers are and the short the windows are to win or whatever I just, I don't, th- I don't know how with their draft picks and, and needing to overhaul the defense yeah. that they, they take stabs. And I think, I think this is going to be an anti Spielman draft, right? Um, uh, in terms of what Quasi's going to do, I think he's going to have some Spielman drafts. I think he's going to have somewhere like, you're like, why do they have like two picks in the third round and, you know, two in the fourth? And you're like, they're just throwing darts at the at quarterbacks or various positions that they need help in. Um, but yeah, I, it is a weird situation because I'm not. I I understand like Cousins is an NFC quarterback, and what I mean by that, look at who's quarterbacking the teams. And yeah, the fact that the Niners might win with Brock Purdy is bonkers. That is literally the last player picked in his draft class. Yeah, um, it's also maybe a lesson for the Vikings that and other teams around the league. If you don't have the guy. There's maybe a way around. I just don't, I I don't want to play with that too much when you have Jefferson because you're just gonna yeah. upset him if if you know what I mean. I but you know, you're talking about Dak Prescott's and stuff, and uh, on the other side, you're talking about Holmes, Allen, you know, even the even the teams that aren't that good, like Jacksonville as Lawrence or whatever. So um, you know, they they do have to prepare for a world though, in which the NFC that balances out and um, you're going to have a quarterbacks that drive winning and to beat those teams, you're probably going to need better quarterback play and certainly better defense. So it's, I'm less like committed to cousins as like the superstar more that I think he's going to have some longevity and yeah. he gives you the baseline. And I just don't, I think that, I mean, I understand the Hawkinson trade and I understand why they don't, don't have many picks, but it, I'm sure in a, in an ideal world, they'd have a few more and you'd actually take a stab at a quarterback this year, in which case it would give you a little more leverage to, mm-hmm. um, to win on cousins but i think he gets extended and i think you know i understand why he's a hot button i think when you're good but not great some people are going to get on board with you and think man he still has something to give you right and i think yeah. other people are going to go get him out of here because you need a great quarterback to win so i understand why it just it's hard to be reasonable with cousins because yeah people take one side of the
1: other yeah yeah i don't think you've changed my mind necessarily but the point about jefferson's a good one like yeah You gotta keep that guy happy. it it does actually seem like he likes cousins, like or just at least goes to bat for him. It's weird. Like
0: he's I think he treats cousins. Like I've tried to think of like how to how to say this because there was like the famous quote This is obviously in the Zimmer era where things were kind of dysfunctional and also Jefferson is maybe a little younger and not as polished. He did go on TV and he said something like um this was on nfl network i think and he was like i love joe burrow right who's his college quarterback yeah, he just yeah. has so much more swagger than cousins and it's funny to think of how like swagger has manifested for Kirk cousins it's been <laughs> yeah. uh the famous quote uh kyle shanahan his swagger is he has no swagger but also like the fact that little kids now are showing up to games shirtless with chains because cousins did this twice on the airplane or whatever um but i think i almost see him as like it's it's like his like older neighbor or like his like uncle. You know what I mean? And he's like, ah, Kirk's fine. You know, I kind of enjoy Christmas. You Me know, either. I don't think they, like, they hang out. Um, They're very two very different people, but I think he can appreciate, and I think this is um, I understand, like, there's some weird sentiment around Thielen right now, given the season he had, but, like, I think Thielen kind of bridged a gap between them. You know, he always talked about how, like, Justin and I watch tape, and I show him what Kirk's seeing, and I show him what you, you're seeing. That has to stay. I'm not worried about the offense, because we know O'Connell's in charge of that, and I think Wes Phillips does a good job, but, like, This is something every team should bridge that gap because I get it. Like the receiver goes, I have leverage on a cornerback. Why am I not getting the ball? And then you watch the tape and you're like, well, it's because this guy's like in his face and he has to throw it away. You know what I mean? Or whatever. Or he just can't see you physically down the field because of, you know, how the defense is situated or whatever. So, um, so I don't know. I do think he has an appreciation for him. And I think it's really important that there's stability there because you can't repeat the Randy Moss mistake, right? Where you had this superstar player, obviously they made a mistake trading him, but they also made a mistake not having like Brad Johnson should have been there throughout most of his career. Right. Or someone like that. And I think, I mean, honestly, um, cousins is probably more akin than people want to admit to like a Brad Johnson. Right. So like yeah. that, that, that to me, until you, until you get someone, and I do think eventually teams are going to figure out, cause very few are going to get the Mahomes in the draft. I think s- someone's going to figure out how to run a system where it's not all the quarterback. And also that you can just develop a guy to be, great right maybe not hall of famer but like a great quarterback and i think the vikings need to be on the forefront of that go back to quasi that is what like a stats guy does right he kind of just like um and an analytics guy he literally just looks at here are what we see in college from uh great quarterbacks people are undervaluing this guy because of maybe i think about this as a receiver but like i think of the stefan Diggs situation where like People are like, how did Diggs go so low? It's literally because he had like no quarterbacks. Like the Maryland team was so injured. You have to almost reverse engineer that and be like, here's a quarterback who was at a weird college that he didn't have many weapons, but he throw, he makes all the throws our scouts say, and he shows this, you know, analytically and you grab that guy in the second round and he becomes great. Right. I mean, that's, that's going to be kind of their pathway to get the quarterback who is better than Kirk cousins. And I'm certainly not saying that isn't possible. There are quarterbacks better than him for the current state of the NFC for the current
1: state of the Vikings. To me, I think he's your guy. Yeah, and I think he will be the guy next season. So um, no doubt about that. Uh, we'll take a break here and we'll come back. We'll talk a little bit more about the post-mortem press conference with Quasey uh, and in, in KOC. Um, also touch on a little bit of locker room access uh, that happened earlier this week on mm-hmm. Monday. Welcome back to Inside Purple and Gold. I'm Dane Mizutani. That's Tom Schreier. Recording Thursday morning, four days after the Vikings season came crashing down. Um, it's the off season. Now lot to talk about a lot of this team. They could compete next year. Um, they probably will compete next year, but a lot, I think the team will look a lot different next year as well. So uh, a, a big off season ahead. Um, Quacey Adolfo and, and Kevin O'Connell talked yesterday to reporters. Uh, we've talked about Ed Donatel and, and they're not commit non-commitment to him. We just talked about Kirk cousins and their commitment to him Tom, is there anything else that stood out yesterday to you from the press conference um, that was actually surprisingly short? I mean, it, yeah, was it was half an hour long, and, and Kevin O'Connell probably talked for about 22 minutes. It
0: that. was a short half an hour in part because obviously O'Connell talks, which I actually, to be really clear, I prefer someone who is uh, maybe a little more long-winded than Same. someone's curt because you just don't know how to like work around that if they, they give you nothing. Sometimes they're just mad at the media and won't talk to you, but um, it was a short. Also, some of those questions were really long, but... Um, but yeah, they mentioned a lot of times, and we talked about this in the first segment, the championship caliber. And so I think if the Vikings had won, beat New York, and got stomped in, in um, San Francisco, which is what I kind of thought would happen, and we kind of alluded to that earlier. And I think if they, after that, talked about championship caliber, I think we would have associated the two, right? We'd gone, okay, they, they are not good enough. The Vikings are not enough, good enough to compete with San Francisco. Dallas stomped them. Yeah. Philadelphia stomped them. Yep. They're making an association. By the way, we should be clear. They have a good idea who the Niners are, not just because they watch football like all of us, but the Niners were in camp with the Vikings, right? This is Trey Lance was there and all these guys come up from Marshall um, to support him or whatever. They saw firsthand what that roster makeup is, that the hard-nosed defense, the running schemes. Pretty cool to, to see two young coaches, right? Shanahan and O'Connell interacting and stuff. Um so as much as they didn't play him in the season, they did, you know, they were a big part of their preseason. And I think those guys wouldn't say it, but they'd be like, yeah, San Francisco is pretty good. That would have been a tough game. Um, I think we would have looked and gone, oh, they're saying we don't have the talent threshold to play with San Francisco, Philadelphia, Dallas. And um, probably not wrong. I think some things could have gone different in the Philadelphia game to make it look closer. I don't know how they would have won that Dallas game. Dallas just beat them Humble, in, right? Yeah. And I I looked at, I know like just talking to some of my friends, because I was I was at a bar with the watching the Niners Seahawks game. They're like, man, you know, remember like the the Seahawks actually got a lead late. And actually mm-hmm. we talked about this on a later show, but you was it that game or no, it's the Bills game. You blew my mind on the score. But either way, it was kind of like that where it's like there weird things can happen early in the game. And they're like, man, the, the Vikings could stand a chance if the if the Niners are really just that bad. And then the Niners just blew out Seattle. And um all of us were like, there's no way, there's just no way. Right. And that is what, what they're getting at is I think Kwesi tries to take out variables, right? He's like, I don't, I have no control over whether players get hurt. I can just have a good training staff and a good system for avoiding a nagging injury, basically turning into a bigger injury. Um, I can't control whether, or like I know the percentages on whether a player will bust or not in the draft. I know what the likelihood of, let's say a Thielen if he has a knee injury and he's going to be 32, 33, what that guy, you know what I mean? What that guy mm-hmm. is going to be as a slot receiver. Um, I have an idea of what Harrison Smith will be at this point in his career in Eric Kendricks, um, And I think he's just in his mind as it pertains to the draft and the most immediate event coming up here. I'm just going to play the percentages, right? And and try to, at the end of the day, go, even with injuries and stuff, have this championship caliber roster. And I think it sounds weird coming off a loss to the Giants, which is so far removed from a championship roster. It's hilarious. I know the Giants could pull off a seven-point upset or something against Philadelphia. I think Philadelphia just launches them in the moon right i just i don't you know what i mean and if that if that doesn't happen whoever they play next will um that is not championship caliber so it's it's i understand the association feels weird after i lost the giants it would have felt so much more appropriate with the niners and i think if you're an organization i assess how good the afc is because if you're trying to win a championship you got to be one of those teams and then i assess immediately what the nfc north is and the um the NFC as a whole is. And if I'm assessing it honestly, I think it's a three-team race to win the North. I think Rodgers comes back. I think the Packers will be better. I think they have talent on defense. They retain Joe Barry. They have to be right about that for that team to succeed. But I think they're good. And you mentioned the Lions. I, I think the Lions went through a tough spell in the toughest part of their schedule. Um, I think it takes a while to lift a team that was on the ground like that into some, something relevant. I felt they were really relevant. I Actually, it was super meaningful to me that they – went and beat the Packers with no nothing to gain, right? Other than pride. They couldn't make it into the playoffs. Um, Goff's playing good enough, right? Um, and I think, so I think they have to look at, for us to be championship, championship caliber, we got to be better than like two teams that are, are in the playoff mix, I think, in the NFC. And then I think they got to look at like, how do we close the gap between them and let's say Dallas or San Francisco? And I think that's why they kept repeating that, right? I mean, I think that is actually quasi being accountable, being like, I have to do something in the draft because I can't sign players and they can't really trade. So, um, I think that's actually him being accountable, being like, I got to bring in guys to get us better. And I, I think we're going to have to look at the draft, right. And how they play next yeah. year to assess that. But I also think it's fair for him to say it's a two year horizon. I get people get weird with draft classes and they're like, you can't evaluate it for five years. I think you can evaluate it two or three years in because of how immediately players make an impact in the NFL. But I think it's fair for him to say. Don't count out scene yet. Don't cut out Booth yet as much as that's the guy I'm lowest on. We'll get Evans healthy. And again, Asamoah, <laughs> I thought, was pretty good. So um, he's trying to do something here where, like, I think he's hoping that entire the two first two classes manifest next year. Um, difficult task, but I think he's putting it on himself. I actually like that he kept saying that because I like that they acknowledged they weren't good enough this year,
1: even though they had 13 wins. Yeah, and he even mentioned that in, like, his first – opening comments or at least Quasi, you know if did, like it kind of came across as like a little awkward cause to your earlier point about that he's like a nerd. Like Yeah yeah. Like and, and he even said this earlier. Like someone asked him, I think Alec Lewis from the Athletic asked him mm-hmm. like what did you learn most in, in your first year on the job. And he said like I learned basically what he said is I learned how to like interact with people because in his mm-hmm. last job, um, you didn't get to know people. You didn't make emotional decisions because if you make emotional decisions on the stock market, you are usually wrong. Mm. Um, that was his point. Um, so he, he talked about how he learned a lot this year. Um, but kind of closing the loop on like the championship standard that they're setting, like Quacey told the story of how uh, how he was walking out of the, like his office or front office booth uh, at us bank stadium. And he was trailing a group of fans, And the way he told the story was basically this fan was talking to someone else, you know, someone in her party. And it's like, you know, the Vikings, they always let me down, uh, Mm -hmm. but this year felt different. And then of was just like, and then of course, like, she's right. This year wasn't any different. (laughs) And like the way he delivered that was so like abrupt, but it, it was a good like self actualization or like a moment of self awareness where like you can see like, yeah, this is no different. Like the, the 13 and four seemed really good, but it's no different than, than the teams that just bowed, you know, the teams from yesterday that have bowed out too early. Um, and, and I liked his point about like, we don't like feeling this way. We we're going to make sure or do everything we can to make sure we don't feel like this, um, this early again. Um, yeah. It, it's it, There's going to be some tough decisions. It's going to be a big off season for Kwesi and, and his front office. Cause, they need to be right in a lot of these things to to keep this roster talented, to keep this roster relevant. Um, One, one thing that stood out for me yesterday is like, I remember him talking about this draft during the draft and and, and during training camp, but like the bridge to from this year to next year with a lot of these rookies. And they drafted a lot of players this past year with like the guise of a two-year plan. And, Mm -hmm. And I don't think you hear that type of like game planning from, from a front office very often. I I think it's like, Oh, we hope these guys work out.
0: Mm -hmm. And
1: like, if their rookie year was good, it was good. If it wasn't, it wasn't like a lot of what the Vikings have done since Quacey took over, since Kevin O'Connell was hired is like plan, like a, like a two year plan, a five year plan, you know, a 10 year plan and whatever, like, it, it makes sense that someone that approaches things so analytically has a plan beyond just this year. But I, I did think it was interesting when you look at the draft that I think a lot of people are unimpressed with, And, and you think about it in a way of like, okay, well, Lewisine and Andrew Booth jr. Hard to call them a bust because they got hurt. Mm-hmm. Caleb Evans looked like a good player, suffered a season ending injury. Brian Osamoa like, that's a good example of someone they like bridged from this year to next year, mm-hmm. giving him playing time, not throwing him into the fire too early, because that is also some a mistake you can make with young guys just torpedoing their confidence because you felt like you had to play them mm-hmm. um, could kind of ease Brian Asamoah along. Um, there's other guys at Ingram. He, he got thrown in right away. Uh, that's a good ex- i think a good example of what happens when when a guy isn't ready and, and has to kind of step into a role um, he approved throughout the season um but i think he was kind of a, a lightning rod for criticism but y- you can go through their draft class and th- and they've worked guys into kind of the mix and and your hope with this two-year plan is that next year they they're they're actual substantial contributors at least some of them so uh, the plan is there um we'll see if they can execute. Um, the plan also has to continue in, in in the coming months.
0: I think it's worth stating like there is it's important to have a separation between the GM and the players in some capacity, yeah. as long as the GM understands personalities, right? Like, does this player kind of fit with the group we have? More importantly, do the coaches connect with the players? Like, I remember, I mean, there's a baseball analogy, but I think it works across sports. I remember like Terry Ryan used to talk to the media. This is super rare. But every day when the twins were in town, they just meet us in the dining room and I remember talking to one of the players and he goes oh I've never talked to that guy and I was like that's right like why would you why would you like talk to Terry Ryan and this is the GM of the twins at the time and like I don't my guess is Quasi's personable with some of the players again there's not like that big of an age gap between them and and um he does as much as we say he's a quieter guy my guess is in one-on-one situations he, he's pretty personable but really, O'Connell is that guy, right? O'Connell is the guy who kind of identifies with them in some ways because, and a lot of successful coaches are like this, he understands how good they are because he was the guy who constantly got cut and was with multiple organizations, even as a star player at San Diego State. Um, and I think uh so i think it's fine for him to be analytical to be a little behind the scenes to maybe not be as personable i think you know mm-hmm. obviously has to count for how the players interact but I, the impression i've always gotten is that he's really close with o'connell when i first saw them together i was like they look like two guys who are like neighbors who watch football together and, and they were just like fortunate enough a team let them take control or whatever um I think beyond that, it's actually more on O'Connell. And again, he's thinking about this with the DC plan and um, and even Wes Phillips, how he interacts with the players. But it's more on O'Connell to kind of figure out all that. I actually don't hate that Quasi's a little quieter, that he's more analytical, that he's kind of seeing this as stocks. As long as he accounts for the one thing you pointed out, he said like, yeah, there's a little bit of a translation between what you see on the spreadsheet and what you see on the field. And as long as he understands that and accounts for that, I don't hate the fact that GM in some ways to me literally he's positioned higher up right on the field I know the offensive coordinator is also but like you know he's literally up in the skybox where the coach is down on the field Um, and I do think it's important for him to be distant because at some point he's gonna have to make tough decisions whether it's about veterans this year whether it's about Kirk Cousins in the future and drafting guys underneath him whether it's a situation where the next Dalvin Cook comes up or whatever and you have to go man I really like this guy and he's a great player I've seen him make great plays I need to preserve money for different positions right so um i don't want to really paint that as a negative because i actually think the gm should be a
1: little distant from the players in some ways yeah no that's that's a fair point it's a good point um tom does anything stand out from locker room on monday because to me not much did um, yeah a bunch of sad guys it's always an awkward yeah thing. like we go in less than 24 hours after their season comes crashing down everyone's throwing their shit into garbage bags yeah like dapping each other up and just some reporters are sitting there in the corner waiting for someone to stand by their locker long enough for all of us to kind of descend around um it's just awkward for me everyone was obviously understandably sad understandably disappointed yeah um i didn't gain much out of that day
0: um, yeah i think the problem is there's not much to say because i think if, yeah. if the diners just go beat them they're gonna beat 'em, they're gonna beat upset but I think I think it's easier for them to actually to go we just got outplayed man you know what I mean they torched the defense uh they got after cousins and he wasn't able to get the ball to Jefferson as much or whatever it's a little harder when you can't really say that the the giants aren't better than you i yeah. the the i think dayball great i think wink, wink Martindale's great i think they're really well coached i think daniel jones took a meaningful step and that's a reminder again that guy was terrible and sometimes if you like kind of take care of that guy just like golf sometimes they can give you something right i don't think he's gonna be a great player but he's certainly getting paid in the offseason um having said all that yeah i mean like i, I guess i picked up some things like so, like hicks and some of these players like gave some credit to the culture um from a year before and i was like actually I think what happened is like, they had a group of really fun players who were kind of swallowed up by Zimmer's anxiety, (laughs) but but I mean, it, it was kind of funny thinking about that from a player who came in. The number one thing I picked up was. I know Justin Jefferson has gone to multiple Wolves games because I also cover the Timberwolves and he sits courtside, not far from the media. I know he was at the playing game last year against the Clippers. I know he was at two games, one against Memphis and one against Dallas this year. He said he was at a fourth and I can't, it might've been a playoff game or something. I can't remember what it was, but, um, he he weirdly was at the game. So this is against Memphis that the and I know some of these some of the Vikings listeners don't know anything about the Bulls, but the Carlton Towns, their one of their star players got injured the game before and then somehow the Wolves beat Memphis, who beat them in the playoffs. Um, and that was the start of Anthony Edwards going on a tear, like 25 points a game, kind of asserting himself as a star. He also seems to have a similar mentality as as Justin Jefferson in that turn on the lights, put pressure on him. He'll be great. Right. Um, And I wanted to get a little bit on him. So I started with Edwards is play from Georgia, played football as a kid built like a football player. Like he compared to a lot of these wiry tall basketball players. He's especially for a young player, like pretty big. And, uh, and, famously like lets people know right he goes on like instagram and is throwing a ball 80 yards down the field that he kind of played some football right but he compares himself to jalen ramsey right this this star cornerback um as opposed to another basketball player and i asked jefferson about it and he kind of laughed and he's like well he talks a lot of trash <laughs> <laughs> it's Like, i mean your court side you hear it right um and and in that game ja Morant, the memphis game john ja morant got kicked out and i remember edwards went to john Morant's dad who was sitting courtside and pointed at himself he goes i'm the truth i'm the truth and like i was like jefferson was close enough he could have heard heard that but um i did think that was funny but he goes yeah i see the football background in him and that he plays a little physically one-on-one defense or whatever um and i was like i waited all year long to get that nugget because it's not something you can really ask in front of the cameras it would just be a very random question on like a week you know seven before a week seven game or whatever um and like it's just hard to track down Jefferson because he's obviously popular, right? He's he's doing all sorts of different media or whatever endorsement deals, whatever he's doing. Um, but I was happy that I kind of I was like it's interesting to hear a football player talk about a basketball just player who describes himself as a football player. That yeah. was the most exciting thing. I also noticed Justin Jefferson has a lot of shoes. <laughs> but other than that, I did not pick up a lot from that locker room session.
1: So Tom asked. JJ about ant and learn that he has a lot of shoes. I will never petition for less access because COVID was a good, (laughs) uh, indicator of like, it is nice to be back in the locker room. It's nice to have these conversations, but that's proof that the the post locker room clean out days,
0: not a lot comes
1: out of it. It's just an an hour of awkwardness. Um, yeah, that it's, it's kind of hard to, I think we said this Sunday, like to come to grips with the fact that the season's over, that we're not covering a game this Sunday.
0: Yeah.
1: um, This Saturday probably would have been a Saturday game, Um, but it is. And we will kind of keep rolling throughout the off season. The schedule is going to be like pretty variant. I would say Tom's a busy guy. He covers everything. He edits everything. I'm a busy guy. Cover the wild. Um, on top of the Vikings. So, but we will try and cut our best to come, come at you at least twice a week. Um, Some days, some weeks it'll be one, some weeks it'll be two, maybe in the draft, it'll be three. We'll get back to our old three, three schedule. So, but we do appreciate you kind of tagging along this whole season. Um, We appreciate Tom dropping in mid season as the co-host. I was the Hawkinson.
0: Um, I'm going to give myself Hawkinson. Yeah.
1: Tom was the Hawkinson. And, and really if, if we were looking at this, like from a scouting perspective, we should have seen this coming because Tom dropped jumped on as a guest
0: mm-hmm. and,
1: and, and made the most Fair astute point. call of the season. Um, we should have just hired him right there. Um, but no, it's, it's been a fun ride and, and we appreciate you kind of joining us this whole time. Um, if you want to interact with us, give us a follow. We're all, we're both on Twitter. Um, we go back and forth with the all two. We'll do some mailbags in the off season as well. Um, But, yeah, that's my long-winded way of just saying thanks for for tuning in. We really appreciate it. Um, For Tom Schreier, I'm Dane Nisitani signing off. We will talk to you later. 2400 Sports is an Odyssey company.